Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude! 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 Happy Valentine's Day, dude, to my one true love, hockey. Amen to that. And to my family. And to you, and to the listeners, dude. Happy Valentine's Day, dude. Happy Valentine's Day, dude, even though it's next week. I know, well, I think we... We'll probably be, well, I guess we could record before Happy Valentine's Day, dude. dude let's it's let's never, be serious. We're not doing that. No, you're right. They're, they're, it's never too early to say how much I care That's about right. the Sharks, about the podcast, about the listeners, about uh, Marcus Sorensen. I mean, there's a care. lot that I care about, dude. What I don't care for are blowing three goal leads in the third period against a crap team. I don't care for that, dude. Me either. I will not be giving that a Valentine's Day card. No. No, negatory, not good. But, dude, other than that, out of the All-Star break, Sharks have been playing well. Yeah. And are back on top of the Pacific Division alone. So, uh, good things, good, good, good things, good things, dude. Dude, we we recorded the last show before the All-Star break. Do you have anything at all pithy to say about the All-Star break itself, either the skills competition, the games, anything, anything useful here? Um... I mean, I I was uh, amused, like <laughs> I was amused. I I didn't love it. I I I didn't I didn't love it. I, but I was amused. Like you didn't love which any of it? I didn't, I didn't love either. Like uh, I I I didn't love either. I I I certainly I don't like all star games, right? At all. Yeah. So I did watch most. Of this, so that's better than most other All Star games viewing that I've done. So that's true. Um, yeah, I I was amused, and I, I I did feel like you know that the players were making an effort, you know, to like because they've actually got something on the line. Um, and it was entertaining, and there was you know some some good skill displayed. I feel just feel the defensemen. Um, the effort is uh, so poor, but what I mean, well, what are you supposed to do? I mean, like you know, that's not what why why they're playing. So, I mean, what did you think? Yeah, it's you're right. I was a little happy to be going in the three on three format. I prefer to the old five on five, like full game. I mean, that's just you know, I'm glad they they mess around with the format of the all-star game because it really draws a distinct line between that and a real game, which doesn't need quotes. I mean, it's a, uh, it's night and day, the all-star competitions versus 
even a preseason NHL hockey game. So, you know, you, when you see the best players in the world, like try 45, 50%, it's hard to get super excited about that. Frankly, it just kind of <laughs> is. And especially right. It's like what PK Subin's going to sell out and like dive and, Right. block a shot with his face in the all-star game no he's not gonna do that he's just gonna let the guy go around him you know nobody cares right right and they you know the the thing i like the best about the skills competition is well certainly the the thing i like the least about the skills competition is the ample opportunity for pierre Maguire and friends to talk between the events yeah and when he asked brent burns what kind of oils he puts in his beard yeah, that, that was the end for me. It, it was good that Burns chose to chirp Mike Smith about that. And that's sort of the best <laughs> part of the skills competition is all these players just sort of hanging out. And then hopefully you can capture moments like that where Burns says Mike Smith has a, quote, baby beard <laughs> and he needs help with it, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. Dude. But, uh, you know, no thanks to Pierre Maguire. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, the, I mean, beard, the beard thing's pretty well played at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, eh, it was a, it was kind of a ho hum, dude. Ho hum, yon yon, not too exciting, right. but still better than other leagues All Star games. So I'll give it that. That's Although true. I will say I do like the home run derby. Yeah, I do like a good home run derby, dude. Yeah, I in the new the new skills event where they take shots from the blue line and all that kind of stuff. It was okay. They needed to give the players more shots. I mean, two shots is not enough. You got to give them a chance to sort of get calibrated, I think. Give them five shots or something. I don't know. It was kind of funny that Mike Smith made the one from the far far goal line. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But like you said, it's not a lot of action, not a lot of drama. It's just kind of... Meh. Yeah, I'm done with this, dude. You're done? Okay, let's I'm- move on to the Sharks. Like you said... They had some really good outings since the All-Star break and then some really not-so-good outings. Well, they've certainly started better than the Ducks, and they've separated by four points from the Ducks and the Oilers um, by winning uh, the first two games. Losing to Arizona was not... uh, Well, they got a point, right? I mean, they they picked up points in their two losses at least, but... Uh, you don't love that they lost at home to Arizona, although I guess you're not shocked uh, right before they're leaving for the road trip that they dropped that game. And then, you know, I'm kind of not shocked that they lost the first game in Buffalo. They've, they've historically had a really hard time winning in Buffalo for whatever reason. So That being uh, said, Buffalo, if you're up 4-1 to one in the third period, you got to close it out. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, I'm just making excuses. Yeah. The Buffalo, the Arizona game, Mike Smith is a pain. Sharks had forty shots. It, you know, it's a bummer. They were zero for four in the power play, but the Buffalo game peeved me. <laughs> it it peeves me to see them lose like that. That's not not good. Yeah, and, and they um, gave up all three goals in three minutes or something. It's just like full on collapse. And not that the Sharks need to be full on apocalypse mode after that game but you read the comments and maybe you know or or see the comments that the players made after the game and and maybe i'm just reading too much into it but it's just like yeah well you don't really want to see the game go that way it's like yeah okay i understand it's like buffalo is not very good but 
still, you know, the, the division still is rather tight. You don't want to face Chicago in the first round or something. I mean, you know, you know, you gotta, yeah, those are points you got to pick up, you know? Sure. I, I just, I still, because this team has, has bought a little credit, I think with their success last year that, yeah, they, that was not good. And we'll see how they respond against Boston, who, you know, is coming off the firing of their coach. Right. And so you know uh, they're, they they're going to win. I mean, you know, they're going to lose to Boston because teams always get like a big bump after they lose their coach. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting game. Uh, and then they, they have to play Philadelphia. It's also fighting for a playoff spot. And they have to play New Jersey, who is still also not out of a playoff spot. So, you know, they've, they're significantly better than all three of these teams. Uh, But those other three teams might have more at stake here than the Sharks. So hopefully they can, uh, they can rally here and deliver good performances. They're certainly the better team. Um, Before we get to Patrick Marlowe, dude, which I know will be the big topic, I think of the night, which is uh, very exciting him getting to his 500 goals. Um, Marcus Sorensen made his debut uh, mm-hmm. last night. Kevin LeBanc has been sent back right. to the Barracuda. Thoughts? I, I don't mind this. You know, it's that's this is one of the benefits of having the Barracuda in town, definitely. Because sending him across the country is a totally different thing than sending him down to a slightly different locker room. You know, Kevin LeBanc has been, what, he hadn't scored a goal in the last 16 games or something? You know, he, he was on a pretty significant drought. And I think playing him on the fourth line, we, you know, we've talked about it in reference to other players, but playing a good young scoring type player on the fourth line is not really giving him the education and the seasoning that he needs to become a regular NHL player. And I don't think either of us thinks that Kevin LeBanc is a natural slot for the fourth line. Now, he may have to turn himself into a fourth liner in order to make the NHL, but it's way too soon to make that call. And and as productive as he's been in the AHL, it's not time to throw in the towel on that yet. Oh, no, not at all. I, I applaud this move by the Sharks because he is not a fourth-line player. Um, he has the, the potential to be... A, a top six forward. And if he's just going to be playing garbage minutes with Michael Haley, then get him out of here. Like have him lead the Barracuda and scoring. Like that's, that's exactly what he should be doing. And, and a guy like Sorensen, who's a little bit more of a veteran with more experience, who's been playing well and deserves a look. I don't think you feel as bad about having him play eight minutes when you're probably not counting on him to be anything really more than just a role player. Whereas LeBanc has the opportunity to be more than that. And I, and I, I feel kind of the same way about Timo Meyer. You know, if, if Timo Meyer uh, starts to, to drop off, you know, Oh yeah. And, and, you know, he's playing, we played 14 minutes last night. Um, he had six shots. He's getting opportunities. Um, but if he slides down to the fourth line, then, uh, I'm done with that too. I mean, he certainly isn't producing on the scorecard. He's got four points in 22 minutes. So is Timo Meyer next dude? Should he be back 
in the Barracuda, and might we see Goudreau instead? We might, or we might see Danny O'Regan. Uh, is it O'Regan or O'Regan? Um, I, I don't know, dude. Pick one, and we'll roll with it. <laughs> I'm gonna say O'Regan because you know, uh, you might as well just go there. But uh, I don't know. I don't. Barkley Goodrow. You know, I'm actually looking at the Barracuda stats right now, and uh, Goodrow's got 24 points in 37 games, which is good. He's leading the team actually in goals. But uh, Danny o- O'Regan's got 38 points. He's got only one goal behind, but he's got 24 assists. I think, given the fact that O'Regan, you know, made his Sharks debut recently and is leading the Barracuda in points, he's probably a more likely candidate. Although Nikolai Goldobin's got 33 points, he's got 11 goals. So, you know, maybe yeah. it's worth it's worth talking about some of these guys. You know, either I think either one of those three could 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 make it. It'll just be interesting to see if DeBoer loses faith in Meyer as this road trip goes, as the season goes. He's still playing him on the third line. Yeah. So um, as, as long as they think he's still playing well and they want to give him opportunities, I mean, I'm a big fan of this player. I, I just don't want to see him sort of toiling with Michael Haley on the fourth line. So – um, we'll, we'll see where this goes. It's just interesting to see them kind of send LeBanc back to reset him after he was a pretty, pretty good contributor early, dude. Dude, I just had some cartoons turn on at my house. Did you hear that? I think I heard a little bit of that. Yeah, it was, it's a show called The Lion Guard. Is there any parents listening? You know what I'm talking about. Kion's the bomb, dude. No, no, no idea what you're saying. You might as well be Dude, speaking Greek right now. No, you're you're like Janja to me. Okay, whatever that means. There might be like ten parents right now that are finding this amusing. Yeah, that that could be amazing. <laughs> but uh, come over here and watch some Lion Guard, dude. Come on, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. your shell. All right, dude. All but right. I, I think uh, I think Danny O'Regan's the one. He's he's the first on deck. I think right now. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, like I. It'll. It's all up to DeBoer, right? You know, what I mean, in terms of how he wants to play the guys that he has, right? You know, right? Um, and you know, we're getting close to the trade deadline, dude. We're getting a couple weeks away, and you know, there are names that are floating around out there. I just, I have a hard time seeing the Sharks make a splashy move. But I read an article advocating for them to do so saying that you know the window is closing the the core is getting older and they need to make an impact move but dude i don't i look around the landscape i don't see that type of player that's out there in the rumor mill do you who are we talking about exactly i mean like the, the the players that are out there we've both sort of pined for Shane Doan but at a certain price yeah we talked about him last last show and I, I'm not I, I don't think Martin Hansel's a bad player no I just don't think I want to give up any sort of significant piece or price in order to make that happen yeah if the Sharks were obviously missing a very specific piece and that piece was available then I can see that, right? And and certainly, you know, the Sharks 
seemingly with, I'd say with the wild in Chicago right now are probably your best bet to come out of the West. Um, you know, those three teams, I think, are probably, the, you know, the top three in terms of the Western Conference and, you know, to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So you could certainly make the case that if there's they need an exact thing like this and that guy's available, then maybe you can go get him. But what do the Sharks really exactly need? Well, I think it's similar to what they needed last year is they're going to need to make a decision if Aaron Dell is the security blanket that they want. They need to make that decision. Um, certainly, they don't seem to be needing anything on the blue line, especially with DeMello uh, due to return maybe at the beginning of March, which would be providing them the depth that they need, unless there's something more there than we don't know. I think it's, you know, that... that bottom six forward situation where you know they they got rid of two guys who they clearly didn't want anymore in Wingles and Nieto. Yep. And they've tried some of the young guys which worked in spots and the LeBanc experiment appears to be over for now. Uh Ryan Carpenter is still playing um sometimes. Right. Um although and they seem to be enjoying Michael Haley. Um, would they be looking for a move similar to what Nashville did this last week by acquiring Vernon Fiddler? You know, I mean, a player like that. I mean, Nick Spalling was useful for the Sharks at the end of the season and in the in the Stanley Cup run. Will they look to add a veteran player who's inexpensive to kind of bridge the gap between the current young guys who are playing these roles. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I'm I'm very concerned about giving up a lot, right? Because as you said, the team's getting older. If it doesn't happen, you don't want to mortgage the whole future in order for something like that. And and I can't I mean, you think scoring, right? The Sharks are still not, you know, they're still barely I think they're fifteenth in the league in scoring. Um so scoring is certainly a problem, but you know, Joe Thorne's got three goals. He doesn't have any goals on. Uh, does he have any like goals with the with the goalie in net? I think all three of his goals are empty net. Yeah. You know, he's got basically zero goals essentially. Bodker's got six. Um, so I can't help but think if some of these guys got off the schneid a little bit, the goal the goal problem might go away a little bit. So. And I don't, I don't, I really don't want to see them go out and get Nile Yakupov or something, you know. It's just like yeah. No, I, I don't think that that's. I don't think they're going to be looking for that type of player. This is why the Hansel rumors don't make sense to me because I think we've got plenty of centers. Like I think that we're all good with the centers. Yeah. And you know, I, I know some people still don't like Chris Tierney. I do, and I, I think he's young and. Um, I'm not willing to throw in the towel on Chris Tierney or any of our young players. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to see them trade Goldobin for Renee Bork. Like that would be lame. Yeah. You know, that would be lame. And they're not going to, I don't think Doug Wilson will do something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's, it'll be interesting. I think 
you know, if there's a glaring need, it hopefully it will become apparent in the next couple of weeks. But I think you're right. There's too much talent around for you to believe that this power play won't wake up and that uh, some of these guys who are underperforming will kind of right that ship. They're in first place in the Pacific, and it's not clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and and Hurdle obviously just came back too. That's another scoring source that we haven't tapped yet. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I, I I saw a headline for Craig Custon saying the Sharks would be looking to add, but that was, you know, the pay site on ESPN, so I couldn't read it. So if anybody wants to give me a cliff notes on what Craig Custon says, I'd be interested, but... Uh, I can't imagine what he said. Yeah. Um, dude, I am an ESPN insider, dude. I'm going to wow. look it up right now here. Wow. I, I believe that I read this. I'm, look how fast this is turning around. Why the wild and sharks should be aggressive on the trade market. This was the article that I read, dude. And, oh. and basically um, it says, um, dude, I think we're all in. I look at our roster, where we are at the cap, I believe that we are all in. They talk about chemistry not really being an issue when you add a new player. Um, Both GMs in San Jose and Minnesota have done a nice job adding youth to the system while still competing for a playoff spot. They can afford to be aggressive. Here we go. What does that look like? There won't be clarity, but Coyotes center Martin Hansel could be of interest. He's 6'6", can go toe-to-toe with the best centers in the West, and is winning face-offs at 55%. The asking price isn't cheap. A first-round pick and a prospect, but that's life in a seller's market. If the Blues fall out, a guy like Patrick Berglund will become available. Martin Hansel, Patrick Berglund, I mean... I like both of those players, but I don't know if you want to give up a first-round pick and a player to get him. I mean, if you're the Sharks, and let's say the pick ends up being... Yeah, high 20s. The the, the high 20s, plus you give them Goldolvin. No, you know, I'm not interested. Right. Especially, I mean, I, I think Martin Hansel is a free agent at the end of the year, am I right? I don't know that. I think he is. So, especially... Given that, um, not interested. Let's see, Martin Hansel contract. Um, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to hear if any of our listeners have a strong opinion that the Sharks should go after somebody, and and if so, who? Because I understand like the position the Sharks are in, and and normally under you know general wisdom, you would say, oh yeah, you know they're are they the the best team in the West? maybe maybe not you know certainly chicago minnesota i think and and you know washington obviously being a powerhouse out east should the shark you know they they would normally be in a position to add a play, add a piece in order to really put themselves in good position to win the cup yada 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 but the question is what piece and at what price and i just don't see a great fit out there right now you know i just don't so i'm i'd be interested to hear if somebody else has a different opinion yeah, I, I'm looking at um, the players who are making under a million and a half dollars and uh, what their stats and who they're playing for. And 
those of them that would be free agents at the end of the year. Um, you know, it, it, there's here's here's some players, dude. We're just, we're ad living right now. This is improv. Okay. PA parents out. Yeah. 20, 24 points in fifty two games. Hmm. Not exciting. Yeah, I mean, he was so good that the Islanders waived him. He's kind. Of, he's a pretty small guy too, so I don't know if you really want that. Okay. How about Radim Verbata? Thirty five points in fifty one games for the Coyotes. That guy's like that guy's just he's a rock man. The guy's just constant producer. He like leaves and comes back and all this stuff. Radim Verbata's great. He's a good player, but I don't really have any more excitement about him than I do about Martin Hansel. Yeah, I mean, you would think the price for Radim Verbata would be significantly lower. I would think he's not he's not young either. He's 35, he'd be out of contract. But but you can't play him on the fourth line. That's right. That's you, the you other thing. Even, you can't even play him on the third line. I yeah. don't think. He's a good producing top 6 forward that needs talent around him to produce, but he will produce if you give him those players. So, I mean, is it worth getting a player like that and trading like a Mirko Mueller to make it happen if you can put him like what if you get him and you just throw him on the top line? Here. Yeah, I mean, that really depends on really how the Sharks feel about Mirko Mueller. I mean, if he is, you know, it, if if Tim Heed and Joachim Ryan are in the same or they are passing Mirko Mueller in the Sharks' eyes, he might be their best. Right, their best straight chip. Bait. Um, trying to look for other teams that are kind of falling out of the race here, dude. Um, I mean the Flames are kind of still kicking around, so they have Christopher Stieg. Mm. He's a player that I've liked for a long time, but you know, I I don't know how much of a difference maker he would be, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's not a not a ton. Well, dude, let's At, let's shift gears. Let's let's move to Patrick. You don't Marlo. like you don't like this, dude. How about Steve Ott? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. I, for some reason, I'm just not. You know, in, in past years, I would sort of salivate at the idea of the Sharks getting a better player, but right now, I just I'm just not. You know, with with guys like Sorensen and and Tierney and LeBanc and O'Regan and like these guys being young and and sort of on the upswing. I don't know if we want to dump some of those guys so we can get Christopher Steak. I'm just not as excited. I mean, years you know, years past, we didn't have any guys like that. We could say, oh, this guy's playing great. You know, the Barracuda are in first place right now. The Bar- Barracuda are in first place in their division. You know, they're they're playing great. Yeah. So, you know, do you really want to sort of scuttle their chances at the same time you want to get rid of some good young players that are playing well? At this. Well, I, I do not think that Doug Wilson gives a flying fig about the Barracuda winning the Calder Cup. No, like, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't that. think he cares. But I also, you know, for some of these guys that we talked about, I mean, the price, you would do it if the price was very low. But um, you're right, dude. I mean, like you, you talk about the names that we just talked about, maybe Verbata excluded. You know, and you can't make a real strong case that they would do better than O'Regan or Barkley Goudreau or uh, any of these other kids who are playing for the Barracuda. So we'll see if they're going to bring any of them up and give them a little bit more of a longer look. 
um, in the next couple weeks as they're trying to decide what they're going to what they're going to do. Uh, that might be why Sorensen is in um, to see you know what they've seen what LeBanc can do. Okay, let's see what Sorensen can, can do. Can he fill this need, or do we need to go out and get it? Yeah, that's that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, dude. Well, it might not be sixty four thousand, dude, but five hundred is a number that Patrick Marlowe has just hit, dude. Yeah, and congratulations to Patty, and um, I'm glad to say that each eyebrow is responsible for two hundred and fifty equally. That's true. So I agree um, with you. it's been equally divided, dude. Um, five hundred goals. Does this make him a Hall of Famer, dude? This has been debated. Um, in many articles on the radio, Patrick Marlowe, Hall of Famer? You know, I know the Hockey Hall of Fame is a fairly permissive Hall of Fame. It's certainly not as restrictive as the Baseball Hall of Fame, for instance. But, And I do like Patrick Marlowe. He's not my favorite shark of all time, but I, I do like Patrick Marlowe. And certainly he's, on, he's easily on the Mount Rushmore of sharks, okay? There's no question about that. Um you think about Patrick Marlowe's career and I, tr- I use some of the same shortcuts to evaluate whether a guy is a hall of famer as, you know, Bill James wrote a book about the hall of fame years ago that I found really interesting. And I, I use some of those same metrics, you know, one of which is, you know, has he ever been the best player in the league at his position? Um, you know, at any one time, you know, not like over 10 years, but you know, any one time. And, it's it's hard to make that case. It's hard to make the case that he was either the best center or the best wing in the league ever at any point during his career. Was he one of the best? Oh, sure. You know, one of the best. He scored, you know, 38 goals in 2008. He scored 44 goals in 2009, 2010. You know, he was that year he did his his best. His that was his best year. He was ninth in hard voting, he was 10th in selkie voting. It's pretty good. But you know, that's one season. He didn't win any major trophies. wasn't even a finalist for any major trophies. Ugh, it's just hard for me to say that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, the thing that he has in his favor right now is he's not done, and he doesn't appear to be close to being done. And you can easily say that Marlowe might get another three seasons, and could he climb – to 560, 570 uh, goals. Very possible um, that he gets to that point. And if he gets closer to 600, then the conversation gets even more difficult. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, you know, there, But I agree that, that it's hard to make a case that he was ever one of the best players at his or the best player at his position um, or considered a dominant player. Right. He's a, he's a, a really good player, but I don't think I would call him great in the same way that I would call Joe Thornton great um, when he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. Or that how you would call Brent Burns great right now. Like, Brent Burns is great. 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, you know, Hockey Reference has a has a, a chart where they'll have similarity scores and they use sort of their own metric in terms of, um, you know, production. They sort of have their own blanket stat. They call adjusted point shares. And they do have a, a chart over career who's the most similar to Patrick Marlowe in this metric. And they have Joe Duendyke, Gilbert Perrault, Adam Oates, Dave Anderchuk, Frank Mahovlich, Denny Savard, uh, and Dale Howardchuk. Now, that's pretty good company. <laughs> that's really good company, actually. Yeah. I'm a little surprised um, at that. Also, they have Ron Francis and Jean Rattel, not quite as so much, but... Um, but still, the the most the most similar is Joe Newendike. Joe Newendike's a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, Gilbert Perot and Adam Oates, obviously. So, you know, the question is, those guys Hall of Famers that make Patrick Marleau Hall of Famer? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that Marleau doesn't have going for him is the perception of him being part of what has held the sharks back at times. Sure. Um, If he had three Stanley cups, that's one thing. Yeah. I mean, he's been the poster child for when the sharks were disappointing, you know, I mean, it seemed like, um, he was the captain, then he lost the captaincy and, um, but to call him a controversial player is unfair, but it's not like he is known for being a, uh, trademark leader, or something like that. Sure. So, um, dude, I feel a little weird ripping him uh, yeah, yeah. as we're discussing his outstanding achievement, but we're trying to make a case for it. Um, I hope it happens. Do I think it will happen? No. Yeah, I'm with you, but I don't mean, you're right, I don't mean to diminish the fact that he has 500 goals, which puts him in the top 50 NHL players of all time. I mean, that's any way you slice it. That's still rarefied air. Does that put him in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe it's a you know it's an interesting argument to have over a beer or two. But but the fact is, is he is still one of the best hockey players ever to play. Yeah, yeah, no question, no question, dude. And the jury will be out on this for quite a while. And it just so happens that he's in a contract year. Who knew? Never would have called it. <laughs> um. Yeah, and that's. Certainly a debate that we won't have an answer to um, until the season is over about whether he will stay in in Teal. And I think a lot of it has to do with how the team does in the playoffs. The team does well again, makes it to the Western Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup Finals. It'll be hard to walk away from him. I'm sure he will have been an important part of what happened. So we're all rooting for that. Yep. Yep. We will see, dude. Um, we will see. Yep. Dude, uh, I know that there was a call. I don't think we got an email this week, but some people were commenting on the blog on uh, still more questions about Mikel Bodker. Do we expose Mikel Bodker? I found the most recent mock expansion draft. It was done before Christmas uh, by HockeyWriters.com. And um, so they had, at least according to this mock draft, they had um, the Vegas team, gold, the Vegas Golden Knights, excuse me, taking uh, Paul Martin. And they also had the Sharks um, 
doing only protecting three defensemen. So they didn't protect Dylan, they didn't protect Schlemko, and they didn't protect Martin. And they had the Golden Knights taking Martin. And they had the Sharks protecting Bodker and Ward. So... I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I, I, you don't, I do you not don't find think, that uh, compelling. No, I do not think that that's what they'll do. I think the when you look at at this team, um, the and their success, it comes from the blue line, and um, and I also, I first of all, I don't agree that that Vegas would take Paul Martin over Dylan or Schlemko, who are like six and eight years younger than him and under manageable contracts. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at like other guys that they took and, and maybe they need, they, they needed a, you know, I, I don't know how, how they, how they modeled this draft. Um, you know, and if they try to get like a mix of veteran players and all this kind of stuff, because if, if, it's probably in Vegas's best interest just to take all really, really young guys. But the fact is that the team will be totally unwatchable if they do that. Like if they, if they just take a bunch of up and comers that aren't that good yet, I mean, the chances of them all panning out is about zero. So, you know, some of those guys are going to end up sucking. But, Which, but I think that there's a difference between like, we're not talking about taking Paul Martin and taking, you know, um, Alexi Seminoff. Like, yeah, I like, know, but I mean, like, but Paul Martin's still a pretty good player. Sure, he's a good player, but so is David Schlemko. So is Brendan Dillon. Like, and they're significantly younger. And and I I just I don't believe I disagree with them. I yeah. think that if they had a choice, they would go with a player like Schlemko, who signed for three more years at a really good contract, who you can confidently play sixteen, eighteen minutes and not worry about it. Like. Those are that's a deal. Like that's that's a that's a bargain. The Sharks got him at a great price. Yeah. Like that's a contract I think the Sharks won't want to get rid of. Well, here's the other thing though. They might need have problems getting to the floor. I mean, cuz you know, none of the teams are going to be offering. I mean, well, of course they they're going to offer like really not great players with terrible contracts, but they might need a guy sort of in the middle and and Martin, I you know, I don't find Martin being taken as like totally outside the bounds. I'm not so sure that they would des- necessarily and definitely take Dylan over Paul Martin. I'm not certain about that. Yeah, well. Some some other some other players that, at least according to this mock draft, and again, if you don't uh, agree at all with how they broke down the Sharks, they, they may not, uh, you may not agree with these. You know, these may be equally uh, dubious, but, you know, they had them getting Jack Johnson, for instance, Dan Hamhuis, um, Kevin Klein, you know, these are obviously they're all going to be cast offs, right? I mean, none of these are going to be the heart and soul of any of these teams, but there's a, there's going to be some okay players. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Claude Julian's going to enjoy coaching those guys. I think you're right. I think that was a <laughs> gift, an absolute gift to Vegas to fire Claude Julian. It is yeah. so, it is so not his fault. Like, how fast is that? It, the thing that will be interesting is, is will another team fire their coach now? So that because remember when Bruce Boudreaux got fired by Washington, yeah. Then all of a sudden, the Ducks fired 
Brandy Carlisle, right? Right. And hired Bruce Boudreaux like immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that was. It's true. It was, that that could bizarre. easily happen. And you know, you've got the Islanders that fired their coach. You've got the Blues who apparently have their their coach, but we'll see about that, I guess. But um, and then you've got um, some teams with some major coaching question marks. And if you're Claude Julian, you can just kind of sit back and wait and see which one you want to do because he's clearly the top person out there. Yeah, that, that's a gift. I hope they hire him. Like, if they're smart, they hire him right now. They just go and get him. Right. You know, because you would think that if they wanted Gerard Gallant, that would have happened already. Yeah. They could have done that already. Um. So, yeah, I think you're just sort of waiting to – to see um, how fast it happens. Not if it happens, but how fast. Yep. Yep. All right, dude. Well, the Sharks are still going to be on the road trip. Obviously, they have a, um, they're running through, let's see, like you said, Boston, Philadelphia, New Jersey, home against Florida, away against Arizona. And then they're sort of home away, home away, home away a bunch of times. But Boston, Philadelphia, New Jersey, all winnable games. I think Boston's going to be the toughest because of the new coaching situation. Um, and, uh, just because players are sort of shaken up after something like that happens and, and I could see them playing well for a couple of weeks, I don't necessarily think Boston's going to make a run or anything, but I definitely think that's going to be the toughest game on this trip. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I, I do just, I get a little concerned about how these teams are all, uh, they all kind of have their backs up against the wall, so um, they're gonna be they're gonna be up for playing the Sharks. So the Sharks better be up for playing them because the Sharks are defending Western Conference champions. Sharks are um, they have the second best, uh, or now actually Chicago won tonight. They have the third best points in the Western Conference. Um, they're a marked team, so uh, they're not just gonna be able to slide in. And take it easy. And, you know, New Jersey, on paper, you look at them and you go, ugh, horrible. But they're 6-3-1 and one in their last 10, dude. So, you know, they got to be careful here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad they're not playing Montreal. Montreal, they're, they're freaking out in Montreal right now. I think they've lost four or five straight. It's pretty funny to watch, like, TSN headlines, how everybody's freaking out about the Habs. <laughs> I always enjoy that. Trade Shea Weber. <laughs> Trade him. He's terrible now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, um, I'm glad. You know, I want to see the Sharks ride the ship here. I want to see a win, but I'm a little, little scared. But uh, hopefully, they can. Hopefully, they they got their pride hurt a little bit after this three goal meltdown in the third period against against Buffalo. I, I hope they can they can uh, find a little a little get up and go after something like that happens. That's got to be a little embarrassing. I would think so, dude. Let's hope so, and we're going to find out. We'll find out tomorrow. All right, dude. Go Sharks. Go Sharks, dude. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.